Spirit of Design delves deep into the unseen elements of design and holistic sustainability. Join us, Amy and Anya, for open conversations with creatives, scholars, activists, and others to envision alternative design futures that are diverse, inclusive, community-centric, and in symbiosis with all life on this planet. to Spirit of Design podcast. Um, today, Anya and I are going to have a little round table kitchen talks kind of thing with each other. Um, and we're just going to dive into what's really current right now, what's, what's on everybody's mind right now, um, and kind of discuss what's happening in terms of fashion and the conversation around race and inclusion right now in the fashion industry. Um, with the Black Lives Matter being so present um, in everyone's awareness right now. And so we're going to dive into this conversation. And I think it's important that before we start, we preface it with um, an understanding that everybody's going to come to the table feeling differently about this conversation based on their own individual experiences. Um, And you know, it's, it's, it's a messy time. This conversation is messy. It's, you know, many of us don't even know where to start or how to navigate these conversations. And so we just want to honor that however it comes out and however you experience this conversation, we just want to make sure that we're clear that we're not the authority on this and that everybody has different experiences of um this moment and we just want to honor that there's so much coming up for so many people um a lot of trauma for a lot of people is coming up and yeah i'm not sure if that's the best way to preface it but i just wanted to acknowledge that before we start yeah so let's kick it off um thanks amy no problem I'm not even sure where to begin here. It's such a big, a, a big conversation to be coming mm. forward to the table right now. And, you know, for especially um, for black people, but also for um, black, indigenous people of color, this conversation is often something that where is very present in our lives is um, the the. I guess the conversation of race or the idea of your color leading you into a room is something that most of us um, who are um, of color, I can only speak from my own experience being um, an indigenous woman of color, that, that my color leads me into every room. And so it's, I find this moment really refreshing because it's like we're able to have the conversation openly without being dismissed anymore. And I think that's really important. I think um, 
even though I'm not black and I can't speak to the black experience and I don't want to speak to that because um, I don't want to dishonor that um, by pretending like I know what that's like. Um, I think in the context of being in New Zealand and being um, Maori here, uh, being indigenous from New Zealand, there's this conversation and the awareness of the Black Lives Matter movement and um, people joining in New Zealand and the conversation being brought to the forefront is allowing us to have more open dialogue in a way that we haven't before. Um, I don't know what it's like for you in Australia right now and what it's looking like there, but yeah, what what's it like being in Australia right now? What's this moment feel like? What are you observing? Mm. Yeah, it feels quite intense. I'm obviously not a person of colour. I'm a white woman with a European background. Um, but observing everything that's been going on, it's really intense because here it's really highlighted the um, complete desecration and continual colonialism and exploitation of Indigenous people in this country that hasn't really stopped for over 200 years. Um, and it's really highlighting those issues here more and more, um, issues that the government completely um, continues to ignore um, to the point that the other day it denounced slavery in this country, which is we all know is completely false um, facts. Um, so it's really highlighting the Indigenous plight and how much colonisation has pushed Indigenous culture and ways of knowing to the ground um, within our education system, within our society, within um, all areas of how we live day to day and even though it's been quite traumatic and obviously I'm not even an Indigenous person so I can't even begin to imagine what it's like, the trauma that's coming up for them. But it's. I also feel it's been quite an exciting time um, because there's been a lot of protests here and a lot of people sharing information and almost waking up to the fact that we do need um, Indigenous knowledges brought to the front mm. within Australia. And going to the protest the other week, um, it was quite amazing, but most of the people there were, there were some older people, but it was mostly millennials, so people our age, Amy, as well as younger generations, and it just gave me so much hope that, um, the younger generations are not going to be standing for this mm. and that hopefully we're going to start to rewrite our systems. But um, it is also highlighting how much work there is to do because Indigenous women here in Australia are the most incarcerated um, group of people in the whole world mm. Mm. amongst amongst other things and there's just so much work to do but there is a lot of um, attention being brought to these issues now um, there's a lot of 
kind of uh, people calling for reform for Indigenous knowledges to be taught in the education system, which it completely isn't. I wasn't taught anything. Um, I think the younger generations are now a little bit. Obviously, that absolutely depends on the teacher and the school. Um, so that's a little bit about how it's feeling being here at the moment. So a little bit bittersweet, but also that there's room for new visions and decolonial systems that are in inclusive, diverse, and that actually are founded in Indigenous knowledge in reverent and respectful and non-appropriating ways where room is made at the table for others' voices to self-represent. Mm. It's looking like more and more of a possibility. Mm. Yeah, I think that's, I agree with you. That's a, that's where I feel, I don't know if, yeah, that's where I, I, I think I feel a bit excited about what's happening. Not, not excited about the violence that's taking place, not excited about any of that, but excited that finally we're able as a collective to have the conversation and actually that it's being brought to the forefront instead of being dismissed behind doors um, and passed off as just, you know, if you address it as someone who's of color or who's black, that you're just kind of a little bit crazy and you're making it up or you're just the angry person or do you know what I mean? Like in that, in that respect, I think that it's, I don't know. I don't, I don't think exciting is the right word. It's freeing. It feels freeing to not yeah. feel so exhausted by continuously having to explain something that isn't visible to somebody else who doesn't share that experience, but is your everyday existence. Um, and in that sense, I think that um, this moment is really important for this dialogue to take place for us to kind of go inwards and look at, you know, mm -hmm. where does, where does racism exist within ourselves? Because I think all of us have been conditioned um, to be racist in some way or another. Um, it's just a part of being, you know, living in this system. And sometimes we're so unaware of where that bias takes place and it's not overt um, kind of racism where we hate someone for the color of their skin. But, you know, the, what I find more often here in New Zealand is that it's subtle racism. It's really subtle biases that we don't even know we hold um, and that we use as justification for why certain people groups are lesser than us or why their, uh, you know, their ways of knowing and being are not as important as our ways of knowing and being. And so and all these ideas around intelligence and knowledge and science and all of those kinds of things um, perpetuate those um, biases. And so I think it's really interesting that we're able to have that conversation now. Uh, and New Zealand's in a very similar, okay, no, it's not similar, but there's, you know, in terms of prison stats and things like that, I think we come just below you guys. Um, mm -hmm. So we're second in the world <laughs> for Māori. Um, incarceration rates. Um, and so, you know, these are really important conversations to have because, yeah, it's, it's important that we look at this um, 
and I think it's important to look at, you know, in, in the context of design and fashion, it's important to look at how our systems are perpetuating this. Um, mm. Because the fashion system, like we've discussed before, is founded on colonial values. And so it's continuously perpetuating um, racism and bias. And um, I think it's important to use this moment to look at, like, what can the future look like? How can we go beyond this? How can we dismantle these systems and move into something new? That What does equity look like moving forward? What does... What does diversity look like moving forward? And I think that's a question that, um, you know, a lot of people are trying to sit with at the moment and is important to look at. Mm, I think it's such an important point that you brought up about dismantling these systems within ourselves. And I think that's also something so beautiful that's come from this, um, these happenings right now. And it kind of sucks that it's, taken such intense and tragic events to um, manifest this Mm. but um, just looking within each of ourselves and particularly probably um, yeah I'm speaking from a white perspective but acknowledging privilege and acknowledging those times that um, like you were speaking the other night on our roundtable call, Amy, about how um, race is something you always think about. And I had never, that was a bit of an aha moment for me because I had never really considered that all my, I have quite a few friends of, of, of colour and black friends, but I had never thought to even think that that is something that is part of their daily thoughts around how they're treated in the world because of the color of their skin. And just thinking about how privileged we are and how we experience the world differently because of the color of our skin, um, perhaps that might start creating more empathy towards one another in the world. And um, yeah, like you said, making sincere and genuine room at the table for others voices that haven't had the same privileges and um, opportunities given to them because of systemic racism and oppression and poverty Mm. and things like that yeah I think the conversation around privilege is a tricky one in that um Oftentimes when we talk about privilege or white privilege, it can be very triggering the conversation because it feels as if, I think sometimes it feels for people as if they're being made into, um, as if that's something to be ashamed of. And it's not, it's just simply a fact. I mean, I've been having this conversation with my husband for a few years now because, well, he's white and I'm not um and so i've been trying to articulate this tim for quite a while now and it's been a tricky conversation to have because he's been like well it feels like you're calling me out for that and i was like you know i'm not calling you out for that i'm just trying to help you recognize that you navigate the world differently simply based on the color of your skin because you don't enter the room and 
automatically be judged just because the color of your skin is different. Um, you get to enter the room and be Andre, whereas I enter the room already Amy the brown girl. Do you know what I mean? It's it's different. Um, and, you know, when we achieve something, it's different. If If someone who is of white coloring achieve something they achieve it based on their own merit whereas if you achieve something as a brown indigenous or black person you achieve it as an intelligent or smart brown or black indigenous person and that, that's something i've personally observed so many times when i've achieved something i've been told that oh you're a really smart maori girl or oh you're a very intelligent maori girl or good on you for that as a Maori girl, instead of just good on you for achieving that, you're a smart woman. Yeah. So it's always every every conversation is prefaced by the color of your skin or who you are, be, who someone thinks you are or thinks you should be because um, of your skin color or because you're indigenous or black or a person of color. And so I think... Sometimes navigating these conversations around privilege is tricky. And what I've noticed is the most powerful way to navigate these conversations is when we can actually storytell. I think when we're able to share our stories openly without somebody interjecting and justifying why certain things happen um, to people who are BIPOC, um, if we're able to share our stories and actually be heard and actually just have people witness and listen as we share some of these stories that are stories that happen every day. Um, I think sometimes listening to those stories opens people's eyes a little bit and, and is able to bring that, bring back that humanity to that situation. I'm, yeah, I'm not a hundred percent sure how how it is that we're supposed to navigate this moment i i feel like even within my own family <laughs> because we're mixed race um we're we're struggling to figure out how to navigate these conversations it's messy and people feel unheard sometimes and people feel hurt sometimes on both sides and so yeah, it is messy. I think we have to have a willingness to step into the fray and allow it to be messy. Like mm. there's, I've seen a lot of people saying like, I can't say anything right. I can't get, I get it always wrong. That's just going to happen. We're all going to fuck it up. Like this conversation has been needing to be had for over 400 years. Like it's going to be messy. It's going to be wrong. Like we're all going to get it wrong on both sides. It's just, that's how it is. And there is a phase of this experience with all of these conversations being brought to the forefront and within our own um, circumstances in our own countries and what's relevant culturally in those countries. There is going to be some kind of experience of grief that has to take place before we can shift into a moment of healing. So one of the conversations I've had um, with some of my friends and family is that, you know, in the case of 
um, the states and watching the Black Lives Matters movement and also with protests that have happened here. But the protests here have been very peaceful. Um, but uh, the, the comment has been like, um, you know, people shouldn't be rioting. Why are people being violent? It detracts from the protests. You know, we should we, we should all just move forward and peace and harmony is the way forward. And I've, you know, that's brought up a lot of rage and anger for me, even though I'm not black and I'm not an American, I'm not participating in those riots and protests. Um, and I can't speak to that experience at all. I've noticed this rage coming up when people have said, you know, peace and love is the way forward. And um, there shouldn't be a violent expression when people are, um, you know, when, when these protests are taking place and things like that. And while I don't condone violence, I also think that it is important when we have these conversations around privilege and when, when someone who is not black indigenous or a person of color somebody who is white is wanting to be a good ally or is wanting to support i think it's important to realize that nobody except the individual gets to choose how long it takes to heal or how that healing takes place and rage and anger are can be really sacred things and they can be a very, they are a very important part and process of the healing, a, a very important part of the healing process. Unless you're allowed to have that rage and anger move out of your body through expression, unless it can move from you outwards, from the inside outwards, then it's impossible for healing to take place because it still exists within your body. And I think when I'm watching people give that commentary, what I would say is instead of looking at the violent expression, see the pain, witness the pain. This is something I heard on a brilliant podcast yesterday by the conversations. Um, I can't remember the name of the doctor who was talking about it, but she made the comment um, seeing the violence versus seeing the pain. And I think it's important um, at this moment to witness the pain. And to recognize that it's going to be messy and anger and rage coming out in whatever, however it expresses itself is an important part of this moment, is an important part of the healing process. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's really, I, I feel like in my own personal experience, so often you're shut down and told that it sh you should be over it by now. Like you should be healed from it by now, except that it takes place every day in small ways. And that systemic racism and violence is enacted upon black indigenous people of color every day. And yet you're still told that you should be healed from it by now. You should be over it by now as if it's something that exists only in the past. Yet it doesn't. It's a daily experience. And so so it's important to recognize that this needs to come forward. And, you know, I, I think oftentimes we think that anger and rage and um, pain are bad things and that, you know, anger is a bad thing. Um, but it's not. Anger can be so sacred. Anger can be a holy thing. You know, in the Bible, 
um, and I'm not Christian, but in the Bible, it talks about when Jesus went into the temple and he was in a rage and he overturned the tables um, because the mm -hmm. Pharisees were, you know, were doing things that were ungodly. Um, and, and I think it's important to recognize anger as having its place, as having, as being sacred sometimes. Not always, but sometimes an expression of anger can be sacred. And in these moments right now, I think anger takes that place of sacredness. It's allowing people to move through this moment, to actually move into healing. And, and I think sometimes we need to bear witness to that. And just instead of calling it out, I think we need to bear witness. Um, I don't know. Mm. That's just my perception of this moment. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, absolutely. I think just keeping things within, we know that's not healthy. And to actually move trauma through some sort of expression, in my experience at least, that's been able to release things out of the body. So I think mm. it's really important for Every, like for especially I think white people to be able to hold space for that and to listen and to the stories but also to the expressions in whatever way they may come. Mm. And I think this moment has also highlighted the importance of listening and reflecting and going within that we don't really do that much in our society, the reflection, introspection part on our own, mm. on our own behaviours and our own thoughts. And, yeah, for someone who considers themselves very anti-racist, it's been quite interesting to observe how many systems and um, unconsciously I am perpetuating and I am part of. And I think that that's when the shame and guilt ties into this, which you touched upon a little bit, where I think there is a lot of shame and guilt, particularly when you're talking about white privilege kind of bubbling up to the surface mm. for white people and I think that's important for us to move through too because shame and guilt are not the most um, what's the word I don't want to say productive um not the most useful of places to stay in for too long and it's mm. also not the time for us to make it about ourselves completely even though this is stuff we need to move through as well but it's I, I'm I've seen on this one spiritual group that I've had to unfollow on Facebook where it's just um where they have a diverse range of people on there but it the conversations have turned into it becoming a space just for white people to talk about their guilt which is important too but it's I think it's important at the moment to perhaps actually, you know what, I don't have the answer. I think that's something to move through. I don't know. What do you think about shame and guilt 
Amy, I'm, I'm really. I mean, I, I think you're so right about like this being the time to go within because there is a lot of perpetuating of shame and guilt in this call out culture and, and a lot of um, people calling other people out and uh, I think intentionally projecting in some cases, shame and guilt upon the other parties. And mm. I, I, like you said, I, I don't think it's the most um, helpful place to stay in. I do think that we need to go inwards um, because it's so easy in this time where everything is online and where we're so interconnected and we like to project a lot of our work outwards for other people to see. Uh, I think it's really important to go inwards and actually sit with our own shame and guilt. I think there's layers to the shame and guilt. I think there's the immediate feeling of like, wow, I didn't recognize this. I think on one level, there's a shame and guilt that comes from like, wow, mm. I was completely oblivious to the fact that this is the lived experience of people in my life that I care about. Mm. I think there's the layer of shame and guilt that's like, wow, I benefit from this system that is very uh, much favors me mm. simply because of my white skin. Um I, I think there's the layer of shame and guilt that is ancestral shame and guilt and the trauma that comes with that because it's not just the problem with colonialization and slavery and all of that is that it's not just a trauma inflicted upon somebody of color or a black person or an indigenous person or groups of people. It is traumas inflicted upon all of us because the oppressor also experiences trauma and that trauma mm. can be passed down through our DNA lines as well. And so I think there's also layers of ancestral guilt that's being brought up. And, and I don't know if we're even aware of this uh, in the moment of it being this way. I think it's just a very intense feelings that are coming forward and oftentimes feelings that are getting projected outwards to social media um, rather than um, being used as a moment to go inwards and observe, like, where are those layers and how can I um, address that? Um, but, yeah, I think there's also a lot of ancestral guilt um, and this sense of, like, wow, um, my lineage has really benefited from this. And if I go, you know, like, there's there's very – it, yeah, I think – I don't know the answer either, but I do think that um, I think when those feelings of shame and guilt come up, I think it's important to go inwards and sit with it and look at it and just be willing to actually face off with those feelings that are coming forward. And like you said, I don't, it's, yes, I think it is important that this moment is about, um, bearing witness to and holding space for especially black communities and also indigenous people of color communities and the experience that's being highlighted right now, their daily lived experience. But I do think, I think on one hand, not using this moment to, to make it all about not, not centering um, 
oneself if, if someone is white I think not centering this oneself in this moment and making it all about um that I don't know is a hard one because I think that the guilt and the shame has to be moved through the emotions mm-hmm. have to be moved through but they have to be moved through not as the center of the universe but yeah. as a part of the healing process and so yeah it mm. is hard it's tricky um because a lot of there is a lot of centering that happens when these conversations take place. I mean, I think you could ask almost any black indigenous or person of color what happens when they bring up these conversations and nine times out of 10, a centering takes place where if you're mm-hmm. having this conversation with someone who's white, the conversation gets turned back to how that person is not racist, how that person has black or indigenous or people of color friends or family members, and therefore they're not racist or how they did, their ancestors didn't take place in, you know, didn't take part in slavery or whatever. There's, um, there is very often a centering that takes place. So I think that there's not time for a centering to take place. But I do think there is time for responsibility to take place. And navigating one's own guilt and shame around this is part of the responsibility. Um, mm. We all have a responsibility on both sides. Yeah. We all have a responsibility. Um, mm. It's not just the responsibility of white people. And it's definitely not <laughs> just the responsibility of black indigenous people of color. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. It's so it's so multi-layered and it's so complex and there is no single answer because it it very much depends on one's experience of it and there are so many truths there are so many yeah. parallel truths taking place, um, mm. but yeah, I don't know. Mm. I don't think any of us know to be honest. And maybe we don't need to. Maybe we just need to know the next little step no matter how tiny it is and go from there we don't need to see the whole picture perhaps yeah I think you're right I think in this moment the next step is actually going inwards and doing the work it's uncomfortable it's hard it's very confronting especially if you have loved ones especially if you are white and you have loved ones who are black indigenous or people of color it is very confronting this is what i found in my life because sometimes in some cases for the first time you're hearing stories that make you feel very upset very angry very guilty that you didn't know them till this point um yeah so it's not mm. it's not fun <laughs> it's not it's not a a fun conversation to have. It's not a fun experience to live. It's not, it it is going to be messy, but that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one thing I've been telling myself is it's okay to fuck it up. We're all going to fuck it up. And we need to let go of this idea of perfectionism, which is also a colonial capitalist Western idea that everything needs to be perfect and that, you know, making errors in, in, in some way that's a failure whilst actually I think adopting a more error-friendliness approach where 
like we are going to fuck it up and mm. that's okay but it's it's better I think to be doing something saying something looking within and trying ways to navigate that having hard conversations with yourself and with others um, as opposed to just being paralyzed with the shame and guilt and fear of making a wrong step mm. yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent this there's no right way wrong way mm. to navigate this I think listening helps though um yeah I think if we're I think listening helps. I think actually going out and doing our own research helps um, to take some of the burden off of um, off of those who have this as their daily lived experience. Because I think sometimes it can be very tiring to always educate people um, mm. on your experience. And until this point, I think the majority of the time being shot down for it. And I'm sure it's still happening right now. Um, in fact, I'm yeah. certain it's still happening right now, but just probably in a lesser way. Um, and so there's a, a real tiredness um, to having this conversations. It can be ex- exceptionally exhausting, um, especially if you've been trying to have them for a very long time and people mm-hmm. haven't been listening. So I think um, listening, but also not putting the responsibility back on black indigenous people of color to educate others. Um, because trust me, most of us have been trying to educate others for a very long time and it's Mm -hmm. exceptionally tiring. Um, and absolutely if, if someone is speaking and wanting to educate, then listen. But Mm -hmm. if, if you can sense this tiredness then, then go go look for resources at other places. There are so many brilliant resources out there yeah. where we can just start learning. Just begin somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. There's brilliant books and podcasts that are um, just giving you insights into where you can begin. And so start there if you don't know where to start. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we made a great little a beginning of a list if anyone wants access to some places to start around this conversation I think a lot of the links do relate to more fashion space but not all of them so we'll yeah. put the link for that in the show notes but it's also can be accessed in our link tree on Instagram yeah and there's some brilliant books in there as well mm. that have nothing to do with fashion just mm. just um books on anti anti-racism and um things like that and some cool podcasts that really weren't about fashion i mean maybe they were but um had a lot of relevant content regardless of whether you're in fashion or not so yeah Yeah. i think there's some brilliant place to start there and yeah this moment's also really highlighted for me and i know we've spoken about this quite a few times amy the importance of our work and to keep doing it and to be doing it in even bigger ways Um, because as we know we started sustainability 5.0 and this podcast to have to create more inclusive and diverse conversations around sustainable design sustainable fashion um, because we felt like that wasn't being seen so Mm. yeah 
A hundred percent. And like we were talking about just before we pressed record, um, you know, we started this, like you said, because there we, we knew there was a need for diverse perspectives and um, conversations to take place in the fashion industry for for space to be made at the table for diversity and for self-representation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's sorely lacking within um, fashion and design spaces. Um, and like we said, just before we pressed record, like, I don't just want to be invited to the table as the token Brown girl. And I'm certain that that nobody of color or nobody that's not represented yet at the table wants to be invited there tokenistically. Like Mm. we don't want to be there so that we look good for optics so that, so that we look good, um, you know, on your little about section on the website. Like that's not, that's not inclusion that's using, uh, Mm -hmm. and our cultures and our ourselves have been used for far too long and it's not acceptable anymore. And so I think, um, what I really value about our work is that it's not just about being represented at the table as a person of color. It's not just about, um, being represented in print and media and things like that and having um, different colors seen, different different colored faces. That's not what it's about. It's about having diversity as a whole way of being. So a diverse range of value systems and cultures and viewpoints and races and all of it, all of it. It can't just be about like, wow, okay, you're a black woman, great, sit at the table. Do you know what I mean? Like that's mm. fucked up. <laughs> um, and that's kind of what I see happening at the moment with the yeah. response that a lot of um, the fashion industry is having or has had over the past few years or um, whatever, is that it, a lot of this like inclusion and diversity is very tokenistic, but it mm. doesn't welcome in um, different perspectives. It just welcomes you to sit at the table quietly. And that's just no longer on um is no longer acceptable uh it was never acceptable but it's just not like i think this moment is really bringing to the forefront that that's not going to be stood for anymore um and i think that's really it's going to be interesting to see how companies choose to navigate this time um whether they are really genuine about it or not um, because a lot of the fashion industry is responding um, to the Black Lives Matter movement by posting their black squares and by, you know, saying something about it. And I, I think that's important, but it's for nothing if you do nothing more. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's going to be very interesting. But yes, I, I'm really excited about this space that we get to create together, co-create together, the space that we get to hold together. Um, I know we've said it several times to each other, but the other night on our round table was just such a awesome moment for me sitting mm-hmm. on this Zoom call with this community that we've created, which is um, really, you know, just is so diverse at the moment and, uh, and 
just so much. It's just holding space for actual diversity, for us to listen to each other, for us to co-create things together. And um, I really appreciate that. I feel like when I come to that space, I'm an equal and I'm seen and heard. Um, and that, yeah, I, I'm really excited that I'm glimpsing what the future can look like in these micro um like little micro worlds that we've created in our communities and i'm really i don't know if hopeful is the right word but we'll run with it for now i'm hopeful that that's what the future can look like um on a bigger scale yeah yeah i think that's where it's where it's got to come from the the micro little organisms of groups that are starting to do things differently. I think that's where the change is going to begin because hate to sound pessimistic, but I do feel like a lot of these big brands and companies are just getting on the, the bandwagon where it's almost <laughs> like a bit of a diversity trend at the moment and particularly highlighted with the latest events. I don't think all brands, but I, I do I, I think we'll, we'll, we'll wait out and see the sincerity because it's not enough what they're doing, especially mm. with, with such immense power and particularly so many large fashion companies, as we know, are still refusing to pay their workers um, for COVID orders um, mm. in other countries and they're mostly women of colour. Mm. So... Yeah, I think exactly. That, yeah. The fashion is fashion <laughs> industry is very much perpetuates um, systems of colonialism and racism, and mm-hmm. um, it's definitely. I think that this COVID nineteen followed by Black Lives Matter movement and um, everything that's being brought up around race and racism in in the industry right now, I think we're going to see the dismantling of some huge huge brands. Uh, I just don't think they're going to survive this. The, the way that they have approached the COVID-19 crisis and not paying, um, for their orders, the way that they have systemic racism, you know, woven throughout every facet of their company. Um, I just don't see how they can survive much longer beyond this because all of it's being brought to the forefront that on top of, you know, the the issues of being massively unsustainable that have been brought to the forefront over the last few years between all of those things i really don't think there's going to be an appetite for um these brands moving forward because people are just so fucking fed up like one thing on top of another thing on top of another thing and you and it just becomes so hard for these brands to recover um, and to continue to paint themselves with this like shiny image that they like to present to the rest of the world. Um, yeah, I'm, which I'm really, yeah, I'm really excited to see how, how this shifts things because we all know things need to shift. Things need to change. Like it's just not working. It's just not working for the majority of people. Um, and so I think that, yeah, I'm really interested to see what comes after this time. I think that mm. because there's been compounding 
things happen. I I feel like, I mean, I could be so wrong here, but I feel like because it's just been massive, like, crisis on top of crisis, that, that those compounding crises are going to mean that there's mass change taking place. Like, I don't think it would have just been enough for COVID-19 to happen. Yeah. Like, to be honest, I think it just was too short of a, I mean, I know it's still happening, yeah. but I just think it was just, it just had a moment. It was just a moment in time for brands. You know what I mean? And they capitalized on it by, um, I don't know, using it as something to, to post about or, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I just think that there's, because it's compounding crisis is one on top of another. I think it's just forcing everything to come to the forefront, mm, forcing absolutely. everything to boil to the surface and there's no hiding anymore. Yeah, exactly. And the world does not have any space for brands, companies, businesses that do not have the earth and people at its core. Yeah. Like there's just, I think, less and less space that we have for that. And I think that's, that's going to slowly dissipate, like you said. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So I think yeah. it's quite an exciting time at the moment, particularly because those of us that are privileged, we can have these conversations around what do we want to bring forth? And that's what we're doing with here at sustainability 5.0 in this podcast, not only is it really important to process what's happening in the now, but after that proper time of grief has gone, what do you actually want to call in? Mm. What what does fashion look like when it's completely inclusive and diverse, where everyone has a voice at the table to self-represent? Mm. How are we producing? How are we I don't even like the word consuming. How are we um, experiencing fashion? Mm. Mm. It's, I think this time is so ripe for us to beginning to, to begin to think about these things. And it's, it's really hard to think about (laughs) just starting to, because we're not taught to envision or imagine um, that's kind of pushed out of us since we're kids, this skill of imagination. But that's mm. what we need, I think, now more than ever because it's going to take radical, radical imagination and envisioning to imagine something different and then put it into into the world. Yeah, yeah. I think we're used to, like, maybe imagining a little bit within the frameworks that we're given but we're not used to imagining outside of that. And that's where it becomes, it's not hard, it's exciting, it's challenging. Because it, for, for many of us, it's hard to conceive of anything beyond these frameworks. It's hard to conceive of a world that's fair and equitable. Um, so those activities are gonna be really important. And he, like you said, each of us has a role and we're super privileged that in this moment, we get to use our voices um, 
and we get to do what we can to affect change within our industry, to advocate for change in our industry. And so I think each person has their role to play right now. And it's going to be different based on your circumstances. But this is what we can do. And I think um, really looking at what you can do to affect change in the spaces that you occupy um, is going to be is going to is going to be really um, empowering. Yeah, I think I think it will feel as if I think people desire to feel as if they're able to do something about it. And each of us can when we look at how we occupy the spaces that we do and where it is that we can use our voices for change. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm. Was there anything else you wanted to add, Amy? No, I mean, it's a very, (laughs) it's a very Mm. big conversation. Um, It's like, I don't know, we can get it all wrong. Uh, I mean, it's, Mm. it's, it's messy. It's all of the things. Um, I get really nervous about having these conversations about race. Um, firstly, cause I don't want to pretend to represent somebody, uh, even though I have colored skin and I am indigenous, I don't, that doesn't even mean I get to represent all indigenous people. So I feel nervous when I have these conversations because I don't want to come across as though I'm representing everyone else's experience. Um, I'm also very aware of my privilege because I am mixed race and there are so many things that privilege me in, in the world um, and the way that I get to navigate spaces. Um, and so, and also it's a messy conversation and it can be very triggering for people. And so I get really nervous about having them. I get really nervous about being honest about my own experience because um, yeah, it's just interesting having these conversations with people, um, when, yeah, it can be such a triggering subject, even just to share your own experience can trigger other people because they don't like to hear that. Um, so yeah, I feel nervous. (laughs) Um, I think it's important to have the conversations. And like you said, we're just gonna fuck them up and make mistakes and it's just how it has to be like there's no getting this right or wrong it's just we've all just gotta bring these conversations forward for yeah to look at and to have together yeah exactly and yeah thank you so much for sharing so openly about your own experiences around race both on here but also just in our conversations because I've learned so much from you um I just didn't realize so ignorantly the experience of people that are so close to me. So thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. And yeah, I agree. These conversations are scary to have because I feel like I, like, what could I say? What, what do I have to add? But it's, I think it's like you say, you just have to, we have to be having these conversations and, showing up mm, and yeah. and doing the internal work yeah yeah and i mean you have offered me a space to share things that um you know i don't share openly with other people often 
And I think for me, that's really healing as well. So I think you have so much to offer. Everyone has something to offer to this conversation and to bring to the table at this moment. And it's important that we all show up. So thank you as well for listening and for giving me a space to speak to something that uh, often doesn't get given space to be heard. So. Mm. Mm, (sighs) You're welcome. Hmm. okay well I guess we might finish it off on that note even though we could probably keep talking about this Um, yeah so we'll put the link to the resource list that we've started to make in the show notes below and you can follow us on Instagram as we're probably going to be having a few things come up in the next few months that you may want to get involved with in terms of conversations and experiences around these new paradigms and systems that we want to call in. So thank you so much for listening, everyone. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's conversation. For today's show notes, to get in touch or sign up to our mailing list, you can find links at the bottom of this episode page. And if you are new to our community, then head on over to our Instagram at sustainability5.0 and our website www.sustainability5.world and follow along to stay up to date with our upcoming online and in-person events. If you found value in today's conversation, then we would so appreciate it if you would subscribe and leave us a review. Through this, you're helping others to find these important conversations. Have a wonderful week. Bye-bye.